Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. Uh, this week, my guest is Gordy Foreman. Um, Gordy plays in Mindsnare and Friends of Rom, and I've wanted to talk to him for quite a while on the podcast, and um, only really put two and two together and asked him a couple of weeks ago, um, but I finally got the chance to do that, so I went out and sat in the beer garden of the Box Hill RSL and had a chat with him for about an hour, and that's what you're about to hear. It was a good conversation, had a really interesting chat with Gordy about how he grew up and how that sort of like influenced and developed his <clears throat> musical interests and, you know, how that translated into him playing into two legendary Australian punk and hardcore bands. Um, so it was really fun getting to do that. Um, Gordy has been out of action for a little while as he broke his arm stage diving, which a lot of people are aware, and it hurt him really badly. Um, there are some Frenzel shows happening right now with Kai Smith filling in for him on drums and a Mind Snare show that's a benefit for him happening in November. Um, I don't have all the details for them on hand, but check out Frenzel and Mind Snare's Facebook pages and get along to those shows because some of the uh, <clears throat> profits from those things are going to Gordy to help him with his recovery because he's struggling a little bit. So any bit of help counts there. Uh, so any support for Gordy would be rad. Um... Before we get started, I just wanted to put a little plug in for my friend Callum Preston. Callum is going to be part of the live podcast I'm doing in December, um, and he has something interesting of his own coming up soon. He is doing a art show that is entirely themed around Back to the Future. Um, he has planned crazy stuff for it. There's some photos kicking around on the internet that he's posted so far that look amazing. Um, one of the things I'm most excited to see. He's built a full-size DeLorean time machine um, out of scrap wood parts and broken electronics and stuff, and it looks insane, and I cannot wait to see it in the flesh. Um, so the details of that show are, well, it's called Bootleg to the Future, fitting. Um, it opens on Wednesday, the 21st of October, uh, which is the day that Marty arrives in the future, also fitting. Um, it goes for a week, closing on the 28th. The opening on the 21st of October starts at 6pm and it's open daily for the rest of the week that it runs. It's at the Hogan Gallery, which is 310 Smith Street, Collingwood. And uh, Calum has put a lovely note here for me saying it's right across the road from Mr. Simple. So uh, you should definitely go to that. I am going to go to it um, and it looks to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. And then inevitably talk to Calum about it in front of people in December. Um, other than that, I don't have anything else to say, really. Follow us on all the social media things. Um, otherwise, uh, see you at Callum's show. See you in December. Enjoy Oblivious Maximus number 27 with Gordy from Frenzel and Mindsnare. Brutal! Thanks for having me at the Box Hill RSL, Gordy. It's classy, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Um, Well, yes. So the first question I start them all off with is how people primarily found themselves interested in music. What was the first thing that sort of sparked you off? Uh, When I was about seven, my parents brought me for Christmas lunch at the Box Hill RSL. Did they really? No. (laughs) That would have been fantastic. I don't know. Um, I guess when I was a kid, like, Dad had one of those record player stacks in the glass cabinet. Yeah. And he was strictly Air Supply and Elvis. Mm-hmm. And Mum was strictly Beatles. And there was that dividing line. Yeah. Like, it was one side of the fence and the other side of the fence. And I'm like, fuck it. I like it both. Yeah. And um, that was pretty much it. And then my sister was, she's six years older than me. Mm-hmm. And she was mega into Prince, yeah. who I fucking hated as a kid, because sure. I heard it all the time. Yeah. It wasn't until I got into my sort of early 20s where I just went, oh, I get it now. Yeah. There's a reason why people like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably the most talented dude in the world. Yeah. But yeah, as a kid, I was just like, this is bullshit. I don't want to hear this crap. I hear it eight times a day. Yeah, enough. Yeah. 
Um, that was pretty much it. And then we, we were living in Arimpul, which is a suburb of Mordura. Yeah. And I was probably eight or nine. And the kid across the road did a uh, exchange student program in Canada mm-hmm. and came back with License to Ill on a dub cassette. Yeah. And I think SNFU, if you swear you'll catch no fish. Yeah. And he had it written on his Converse All-Star sneakers, like SNFU, and I'm like, what's that all about? Yeah. He's like, dude, I'll play it for you. And I listened and I just went, fucking bang, that's it. Yeah. I'm in. So how old were you then? It would have been about eight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty early age to get sold on something like that. Yeah, and I still didn't really get into it. Like, I heard it and just went, that's sick, but never chased it, because I listened to Nigel's podcast the other week, and same deal, there was no internet, there was no nothing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have access to magazines or anything being a kid um, and yeah then I think probably a couple of months later I saw an ad for Bon Jovi New Jersey on the telly mm-hmm. we had two channels yep. and it was on one of them yeah. I'm like shit I'd love that for my birthday and I said it out loud and so come my birthday my dad got me the cassette and my sister got me the cassette yeah. so I'm like wow I've got two copies what do I do with them? Yeah. And my sister's like, well, I've got the receipt. You can go and swap it at the music store. Yeah. Cool. So we go to the music store and I walk in and I'm like, I like Bon Jovi and I like Beastie Boys. What do you got? She's like, there's this new band called Guns N' Roses. You should check that out. Yeah. And yeah. That I was, was like, this is the fucking heaviest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it was nuts. Yeah. And then after that, dad went away on a trip for work and he came back and he said, oh... Well, he said to the chick at the shop, whatever town he was in, my son likes Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest? And she's like, try Metallica and Justice for All. And then... There it was. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> so, was that... Did those early things then, like, give you spark and interest to play music as well? Or was that more just no. sort of setting off interest for you? Not at all. I was just like, this is fucking cool shit that... It's just me. Like, no yeah. one else I knew listened to. Okay. It's like kids at primary school just didn't listen to music. Yeah. And I'm... Fu- just to go off on a tangent, I'm finding the same thing with Max, my kid, who's eight. Yeah. He listens to Maiden and Priest. Mm. And he wants to burn CDs for all his friends who have yeah. never, ever heard of these bands. Yeah. Let alone heard a song. They've never heard the name. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we probably... You can burn CDs, but we've got to check, make sure there's no bad words and whatever, because yeah. their parents might yeah. frown upon us. Not, not be so um, open with that sort of stuff as yeah. you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that didn't pique my interest in playing an instrument at all. It yeah, just, right. I was just like, this is cool, it's aggressive, I can sit in my room, play my Commodore 64, yeah. turn that shit up, and fucking leave me alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and... <sighs> Did you, so whereabouts did you grow up? Near Mildura, you say? Mostly in Mildura, yeah. It's like yeah. 15 minutes out of town. Okay, and wh- how long were you there for? Mo- all of schooling? or yeah, uh, Primary school, yeah. I was actually born in Frankston. Yeah. You can edit that out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> then we moved to Mildura when I was about four. And then I finished primary school there, so it would have been 12, I guess. Yeah. Did one week of high school got picked on by a female bully got the shit beaten out of me every day for a week Jesus yeah <laughs> and then we moved to Scotland oh wow yeah and how long were you there for uh, like maybe two years and so how old were you then were you, you were in high school then 12, 13 yeah that was my first year of high school okay and it was the fucking worst year of my life so did what was what was the uh, I'm sure there was a lot of stark cultural differences oh, from Mildura to Scotland <laughs> you don't know the half of it yeah so was that was that like a hard time with in terms of like I don't know I guess becoming I mean I had a similar thing I moved to from Shanghai to Canberra when you know. I, when I was <laughs> eleven years old and it was like oh yeah the world's different yeah. here <laughs> yeah yeah was so was it like a crazy like culture shock for you it was fucking insane yeah. Um, like dad had always told me stories when I was a kid about how rough Scotland was just because yeah. where he grew up was a really really rough area yeah in, in sort of inner Glasgow mm-hmm. but where we moved to was a small town of about maybe 1500 2000 people like a yeah. little village um but it was really divided like Catholic Protestant sure same as it is now yeah but I I didn't understand that then 
Yeah. So I'm seeing people fighting over football wearing different colours. I'm like, what the fuck are you fighting about? Yeah. And they actually went back and bought a pub. And it was right on the corner of the main intersection in town. Right. Um, and I remember, like, by that time, I had my Metallica tapes and I'd gotten into Slayer and all that sort of shit. Sure. Creator. And I'm sitting up in my bedroom window, looked right across at the local fish and chip shop, yeah. which had the one fucking video game, Shinobi, yeah. in the whole town. And I'm standing up there looking out my window one night at about 8 o'clock, and I see this guy in a fucking Slayer Root of All Evil t-shirt, yeah. leather jacket, long hair. To yeah. me, he looked like he was about 40, but he was probably 18. <laughs> and I'm just, I fucking froze. And I ran downstairs and I walked over and I had a Slatanic Wormax shirt on. Yeah. And I walked over and I had like sort of shoulder length hair and I'm like, Slayer, how's it going? He's like, what's up, wee man? You want to hang out? Like, Fucking oath, I want to hang out. And With he, this questionable man. Yeah, I don't give a shit, you got a Slayer shirt on. Like, yeah. 1987, fuck. You must be cool. Yeah. And, and that was like such a breath of fresh air because apart from that, like every day going to school, I'd catch the bus. Yeah. I'd sit up the back and we'd smoke cigarettes and be tough mm-hmm. and I had like two mates that were into metal yeah. and they were outcasts they were fucking nerds no one liked them sure and so I'd get jumped on the bus every day to and from school yeah right like eight dudes in grade 12 would just go well it's Kangaman which is the comic that fucking Craig McLaughlin used to read on Neighbours sure <laughs> they're like oh it's Kangaman let's get him and I'd be sitting there and you just feel that tension in the air you're like I know something's gonna happen and then bang there'd be eight dudes piling on me just pounding the shit out of me and I'm sure um, the public are aware you're not the largest person as an adult. Correct. As <laughs> <laughs> <Has> anything. <laughs> so I'd say at 12 years old, you fucking, probably... Just that mentality, like kids, like, yeah. well, he's got a different accent, let's bash him. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> Dude, that's fucked. So you st- how come you were only there for two years? Just things um, didn't pan out? or? Yeah, mum and dad, like, they moved there because they grew up there. They were born there and grew up there. And yeah. They wanted to go back. And then once they went back, they just realised how shit it was. Like, right. Just the whole youth culture of violence and drugs and shit. They're like, this is not good for our kids. Yeah. And it wasn't. Like, it was fucking fight and take drugs. Yeah. Get drunk every day on the street corner. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, even as like nowadays, it appears to be so easy to be a kid in England and yeah. that part of Europe and just to be maggot yeah constantly totally <laughs> like you can buy booze everywhere yeah but even then I did, like I didn't see it then yeah but I look back now and I'm just like thank fuck we didn't stay there because <laughs> you would have been you know overdosed or in jail yeah. or god knows who what or who knows god what fucking whatever it's alright <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fucked so um, when you came back here where did you move when you came back to Australia then? Uh, when we came back Mum and Dad actually asked my sister and I where we wanted to go, mm-hmm. and straight away we both said Mordura because we had mates there. Yeah, and thank fuck that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up moving to the Gold Coast. Yeah, um, God knows why. I guess the sunshine, being Scottish, sure missed it. Uh, that was good and bad. Yeah, because I sort of got into my first band. Like by that time, I was playing drums, mm-hmm. and I got into my first band which was a death metal band called Desecrate. Yep. Which was fucking awesome. Yep. As a 14-year-old or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the older I got, like, the, the later I got into my teens, I'm just like, this place fucking sucks. Get me out of here. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't... It's... I only know this as being a person who's gone there to play shows, but the Gold Coast definitely doesn't seem like the kind of place that fosters... <laughs> intelligent alternative minds at all. Uh, there's the odd one kicking about. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, like, I love the whole, the water culture. Mm-hmm. Just fucking get up, go to the beach, have a swim, yeah. surf, whatever. But just all the cunts that get into it, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Especially now, like, everyone's fucking on ice and yeah. all that sort of shit. Like, we used to go up there with the kids and I'd try and catch up with mates that I used to skate with and whatever. Mm-hmm. And we go out to a pub, and you just you can't even just sit in a pub and feel comfortable. Yeah, like it's always like someone's ready to snap. You know that just that yeah, air yeah. of anxiety. And it's it's weird. I guess I don't. Again, I don't know. Being that I grew up so far away from it, but I, I'm sure it was probably always a relatively like party sort of centered place. Yeah. But that seems to have just taken off. Like, I, I mean, since I was in school. 
like people you know schoolies was a thing that people from Canberra went to up there which is like to me now that seems fucking insane to go yeah that was I never got just go get drunk at the Gold Coast yeah like like, why the beach there's beaches everywhere everywhere. yeah Yeah. a Wollongong um but yeah I know that fuck that schoolies thing I never did schoolies because primarily I fucking hated everyone I went to school with yeah bar two or three people sure because I was the kid, like, back in the 90s, you know, skateboarding was, like, massive pants, yeah. small wheels, yeah. Slayer shirt, whatever, and, like, all the fucking surf scum would look at me and just go, are they long shorts or short longs? They're like, fuck off, idiot. Yeah. And they all listen to Birdman and fucking Violent Femmes. It's like, dude, you've got no idea. <laughs> of course, now they all listen to fucking Pig Destroyer and whatever. Yeah. It's like, well, you, I told you. Cool, man. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Yeah. Um, so... I guess, so that sort of, like, playing music and stuff, did that, was that what, uh, like, did that spark off in Scotland then? Pretty much, like, yeah. I missed, I missed a chapter. Okay. <laughs> Before we moved to Scotland, we moved to Port Augusta. Okay. Fuck knows why. <laughs> Mum and Dad don't even know why. It seems like very strange choices they made. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mildura, Scotland, yeah. Port Augusta. Fuck, it's like, Gold throw, throw a dart at the map. Where are we yeah. going? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I went round to a mate's house for like a play date after school. Yeah. Went to kick the footy, walked into his room to get the footy, had a fucking five piece drum kit in his room. Yeah. Didn't leave the room. That's awesome. And the kids are like, should we call your mum to come and get you? Because we're not <laughs> hanging out. And I'm like, fuck you, playing drums. Yeah. Just hitting shit, not doing anything good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was that. I had a really similar thing, I think. It, in, like, I went to a friend's house who had a drum kit and he hated it Mm -hmm. like he really he was like oh my dad bought me this thing and I just remember looking at it being like all that was going through my head is like (laughs) can I have it how am I going to leave the house with this thing (laughs) I don't know what to do like I'd fit in my backpack (laughs) like I'd played music before but like I think when I found drums that was like because that was again like I'm sure similar to yourself like that was sort of when I was hearing metal and when that was like I'd been playing music at like school band but I was just getting into like heavy stuff and I was like oh that's that's the thing yeah that's the loud thing yeah like <laughs> that's the thing that the chicks all hate <laughs> <laughs> look at that ugly cunt up the back <laughs> but um yeah so was that something you started pursuing then like straight away after that pretty much like I went home that day and just went I want Santa to bring me a drum kit yeah and he fucking did yep Good on him. And then mum and dad were like, well, if you're going to do it, Santa's been this good. If you want to do lessons, we'll do lessons. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do it, you're going to do it properly. And I'm like, eight or nine, just go on. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I did lessons for a year. And I won a scholarship to the Mordura School of Music. Yeah, wow. And then we moved to Scotland. <laughs> Threw a spatter in the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in, in between then, I discovered metal. So I was like, fuck lessons yeah, yeah I just want to play along to Master of Puppets for sure and I did and then played along to Rain in Blood which my auntie bought me on cassette yeah Christmas very good still got it <laughs> but yeah it all just kind of snowballed like I just started playing along to records and yeah I was just like fuck this is what I want to do mm. clearly it's worked out well for me <laughs> <laughs> well we're at the Box Hill RSL the yeah, <laughs> success <laughs> um Alright, so what, you come back and then start playing, you know, death metal and stuff like that. Was that, was that like, uh, you know, after years and years of sort of uh, putting an effort towards that sort of music? Or was that just what you sort of fell into when you came back? No, that was, that was about four or five years after listening to nothing but metal. Mm-hmm. Like the standards, yeah. the 80s standards. Sure. Um and yeah that's all I gave a fuck about and by that time death metal was around yeah and I was into that I was into D-Side and Bolt Thrower and mm-hmm. like the, the first show I ever went to um was the Grind Crusher tour in yeah. Edinburgh and it was Morbid Angel Carcass Bolt Thrower Napalm Death it's and amazing. I, I had a subscription <laughs> to Metal Hammer so I yep. found out about this show and I'm like I've got to fucking go I've got to go and it was all ages yeah at night I don't know how Edinburgh was like an hour and a half drive from Glasgow mm-hmm. and I had these two or three dead shit metal mates yeah they were super nice guys but from a parent's point of view what are you hanging out with they're assholes yeah 
And Dad's like, you know what? If you want to go, I'll pay for your ticket, and I'll drive you guys there, and I'll sit outside for the whole show in the car, yep. and then I'll drive you home. And I'm like, whoa. So we went, and that was my first stage dive. Yep. Didn't break a bone that time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was just a whole other world to me. Yeah. It's like, how do you fucking play that fast, that tight? Yeah, yeah. And... That would have been amazing too, because that's all those bands in their fucking prime oh, as well. Dude, and all the bands were out at the merch table afterwards. Yeah. And I'm like a 13, 12, 13 year old kid just standing there just going, <laughs> Like I met Joe Bench, I bought a zine that she made, I had her yeah. sign it. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened to it. I'm spewing. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I think it was one of Barney's first shows. Yeah, right. And yeah, I was just flipping out, just all these people that I'd seen in magazines, and I'm like, they're fucking five meters away yeah yeah what the hell mm. so did that then sort of like seeing that thing was that kind of like the fuel to push you more towards doing that as well it might have been yeah I'm just like these fucking scumbags can do it yeah why can't this scumbag do it <laughs> <laughs> but I just yeah being that young I didn't know how to go about it yeah like, and as I said, the village we were in was really small, mm. so there was no one into metal. Yeah, other than that random dude. <laughs> that random dude that I never saw again. Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alright, so I guess you skip forward, you're living on the Gold Coast. Um, what was it like playing in a death metal band on the Gold Coast? It was sick fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because by that time, a lot of people had started coming around. Mm-hmm. Not particularly at my school or anything, but just sort of mates outside of school that I'd met through skateboarding and whatever. Yeah. They were starting to get into SOD and shit like that. Sure. I was like, oh, there's some people that get it. Yeah. And I remember when we came back from Scotland, we went via um, LA. Yeah. We went to Disneyland and all that bullshit. Mum mm-hmm. took me to a skate shop and she bought me like a Hensley, Matt Hensley Mini. Yeah. And a, like a Kevin Starr board, which had one of the first kick noses. Yeah. And so I'm on the Goldie just fucking rolling around this car park and this gang of like five dudes come up to me and I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. I'm dead. Yeah. And they were the nicest dudes ever and I'm still friends with most of them to this yeah, day. Yeah, wow. Crazy. And they just walked up and they were like, that fucking starboard with the kick nose, where the fuck did you get that? Mm. And I explained it and then somehow we got onto talking about music and then we started getting fucking graph pens and writing SOD and shit on our grip tape and I'm like, <laughs> that's my mate. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I was like, it. finally someone gets it. Yeah, and then, it's crazy that you had to travel through so many parts oh, of the world dude. before you found that. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And then through them, I sort of met these other. No, it wasn't through them. That's a lie. My dad took me to the local music shop to get some sticks or something. Yeah, and I see an ad on the wall like "Drummer Wanted," mm-hmm. young band into creator Sodom. Yeah, blah blah blah. So I ring him up, and they come around to my house a week later, and I've got this fucking double kick shit Tama drum kit set up in the garage yeah and they're like what do you know and these dudes are like three or four years older than me so I'm shitting my dax mm-hmm. I've only ever played along to records yeah yeah I'm like uh I could do maybe Blood Red by Slayer yeah they're like cool that's the most boring fucking song to play <laughs> duh, 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 duh. but they're like do it and I did it and they're like you're in Dude. start a band yeah fucking sweet. and they'd already started a band like they'd written the songs sure they jammed everything, just two guitarists and a bass player. Yeah. Um, and that was that. And so how long was that? Like, did, I guess, did uh, start, like, when you started doing that, was that sort of, like, draw your focus more into playing oh, yeah. that sort of music as well? That was it. That was fucking end of the line. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> it's like that and riding in my skateboard. Yeah. I don't give a shit about anything else. And so how long, how long did you do that for? How long was that? That was about two years, maybe three years. Yeah. yeah. And so by that point, had you sort of almost seen yourself through school as well then? Well, school suffered quite a lot due yes. to that. <laughs> and then I pulled my socks up by about grade 11. Yeah. And finished second in my class in grade 12. Oh, wow. And yeah. <coughs> Only beaten by my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Because mum and dad were just like, that's cool, we'll support you in whatever you want to do, but just fucking get through school yeah yeah and then I really liked law like legal studies or whatever so they were going to pay for me to go and study to be a lawyer yeah and stupidly enough I went nah I'm just going to do music for a couple of years and see what happens <laughs> and here you are yeah <laughs> yeah ah uh, hindsight yeah <laughs> <laughs> so 
Uh, what was the next step from there then? From playing death metal with those dudes, what was the next thing from that? Well, after that, like I was sort of always into punk rock as well, like Pistols, Kennedys, mm-hmm. that sort of shit. Um, and then that band just sort of dissolved. I don't yeah. know what happened, but it just finished. Um, and I don't really recall the next band I had was Blister. Yeah. I don't recall how I got into that. I think it was a similar thing, like an ad. Yeah, right. In a magazine or a shop or something. And I went round, and I met Phil, who played plays or used to play marching orders. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Phil. I don't know, but no. I know marching orders. Yeah. Um, went round to his house. He was like, "Yeah, we're into Pennywise, no effects, all that sort of shit." Yeah. And I could not play that fucking skippity skip punk beat right, at that right. point because I was just all double kicking. Yeah. <laughs> and I fucking practiced and practiced and practiced, and I finally got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, then we started a band, and then we ended up touring with like Blink and on their first tours out here and yeah. shit like that. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and I was really torn at that point though because it was sort of either punk or metal, right? Like it, it didn't really meld at that point. Sure. So you had to, you had to choose one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I'm playing these No Effects covers and Green Day covers but I'm going home and listening to the first Morbid Angel record yeah. and, and dudes are looking at me like how can you like all this shit yeah fuck I just do and it seems fucking stupid looking back yeah no I know what it was like though I mean I, I'm sure it was the same for anyone sort of when you're at that in that sort of age bracket as well where you're sort of first finding that stuff too and first like uh, finding your way through bands and things like I know the first time I did the first hardcore band I played in I had long hair and yeah. two bass drums and they came to practice and they were like fuck you playing a beat <laughs> and I was like I double kick is that is that what's appropriate for this part you know like and it took me a long time to work out like oh no that's not yeah. what you meant to play yeah <laughs> but like so was that something was that like a, a hard decision for you to make then or was that something that you were just like well this is what I'm doing so this is where I'm going with it yeah I don't know like at that point I was sort of leaning like I sort of burned out on death metal right like when it got to sort of the early to mid 90s mm-hmm. like there was so many fucking death metal bands coming out and they were all from Morrisound Studios and right, they right. all started sounding the same yeah I'm like fuck I'm kind of over this shit yeah and then I started listening more and more to punk rock yeah and just sort of dug itself in yeah pretty much yeah yeah well still like I never turned my back on metal but I was just I just kind of got burned out like I said yeah no, I think that happens too but I think I mean I know that I've definitely found it in the last couple of years myself was like having a reprieve from it yeah made me like it heaps more though yeah for sure like having time of playing pretty much just hardcore shows and just doing that stuff was great because it meant that like I was like ah ah now I remember why I like this other thing so much (laughs) exactly you know Um, so was how long then did you spend living on the Gold Coast like too uh, fucking long yeah oh like nine years or something yeah I didn't leave till I was 21 and what was the like impetus to leave just didn't like it oh it was always there yeah (laughs) I didn't like it from the minute I got there. But, yeah. Um, that was when I joined Frenzel. Okay. Uh, which was purely by accident. Okay. It was I was working for a mate who ran a like a photo processing company. Okay. I was doing deliveries. Um, and he had a band, which was fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> but he'd gone down to Sydney to meet with some people, some industry people. Sure. Um, to try and get some shows for his band. Yeah. And he came back like a week later and he said, oh, because Blister had played with Frenzel. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew the guys, like to say good day to. Sure. And he came back and he said, oh, they're looking for a drummer. I went, who? He said, Frenzel. Went, get fucked. And he said, no, I just met with the manager and he told me. He's like, you should try out. Thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm mm-hmm. not smart enough. I don't know enough shit about shit. I'm 21. I'm fucking clueless. Right. And I had no money, yeah. so I convinced a mate to drive me from the Gold Coast to Sydney <laughs> for nothing. Yeah. He drove me in his old fucking Lancer or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to Zen Studios. I met the dudes. 
we, I think, they handed me a can of VB and said, what do you know? And I went, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And they mentioned some song, I can't remember what it was, Get Off or something, whatever. Yeah. And I counted it in and started the completely wrong song. <laughs> and they all just fucking looked like, are you fucking serious, idiot? <laughs> I'm like, can we try again? So we did, and I got it. Yeah. Played it. And then we did another song. We were like, cool, see you later. Yeah. And then I got a call from Chris, their manager, um, maybe three or four weeks later, and he said, look, it's down to you and one other dude. Yeah. Can you come back? And I'm like, fuck, I'm on the dole. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> So I, I can't can... convince his mate to go twice. However, <laughs> very good. I did. Yep. I did. Um, and we played through a few more songs. Mm-hmm. And then after that was done, they were like, can we go to the townie and we'll get some beers? Yeah. I'm like, cool. So I'm fucking just this kid in Sydney just freaking out, going, fuck, big smoke. Yeah. We're at this pub and I'm with friends all a band that I, like, I really liked. Mm-hmm. And we had three or four beers and they just wanted to get me sort of tipsy to see if I was a cunt when I was drunk. Sure. Didn't realise that at the time. <laughs> and then, yeah, they turned around and just went, you're in. Yeah. Fuck. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So, was, so what did that mean then for you? Well, that meant get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to Sydney. <laughs> Mum and dad, I guess, like I was I'm the youngest of two kids, so sure. I guess they were a bit bummed. Yeah. A, that I didn't do the law thing. Yeah. And B, that I was going to be this fucking punk rock dude. Sure. And I was just like, follow my dreams, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically lived on a mattress in Lindsay's bedroom for six months. Yeah. On probably 80, 90 bucks a week. Yeah. For three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> and so what did that, like when you started playing with them, where did it go for you from there? Like what was the like start point for you with Frenzel then from well straight away it was uh, like a nationwide tour with the Blue Meanies yeah which fucking blew my mind Mm because we went to all these regional towns that we didn't even know existed yeah Um, and then it was like oh we're gonna write a record well we've almost written it and we're gonna record it in LA yeah I'm like fucking what yeah yeah why wouldn't you do it in Sydney or something (laughs) yeah and they just went, well, just because we're doing it in L.A. with this guy that did Sublime and Pennywise. And I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then next thing I know, we're in the States. We did a tour with Real Big Fish, mm-hmm. which is fucking horrible. Yeah. Good for us, but what a cunt of a band. <laughs> um, you can turn that cunt bit up real loud. <laughs> um, and th- yeah. I'm glad the people are aware now that yeah. Real Big Fish are cunts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got some stories about that, but we'll skip that for now. <laughs> but um, yeah, we were in the states for six months, and as a twenty-one-year-old, I was just fucking flipping my wig. Yeah, like I'd travel with my parents and shit, but never by myself. Yeah, it's so, a totally different experience. Oh yeah, as I'm, a young adult, we're living on five bucks a day PDs. Yeah, US granted, which was a hundred bucks mm. Australian at that point. Yeah, in fucking ninety-eight or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, like we were living in a club wagon, just like a long Tarago yeah yeah and um we did this tour and then we recorded some of the record and then Jay and Lindsay and Lex had some money because they'd been doing the band for a bit yep so they all came home in between tours right and I was stuck in the states because I had no money so I'm with our manager and our sound guy in the middle of fucking New York City yeah like the East Village or whatever just walking around just being pov as shit yeah Luckily, our accommodation was paid for, which wasn't flash, but it was paid for. It was a roof. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just, fuck, being 21 and not having really experienced the world. How long was that between the Gold Coast and getting there then? Like, was that like a year or? Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Which is like, that's an insane turnaround from hating it at the Gold Coast. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. I couldn't wait to get out of the Gold Coast, but... I think Blister broke up in like 96 or 7 yeah and I was in Frenzel by March 98 yeah right so yeah having played shows with them and everything and suddenly I'm in the band I'm just like whoa yeah and so like how long were we over there for like obviously another tour occurred then that was the, yeah I was over there back. 6 months straight yeah right fucking hell broke as shit yeah <laughs> But, like, at that point, we're all really into the Bouncing Souls and shit like that. Yeah. And that black record that they did, mm-hmm. it 
was all songs about the Lower East Side and stuff. Yeah. So we took every reference from that and went fucking sightseeing. Yeah, right. That's like, went to the Holiday Cocktail Lounge, drank yeah, yeah. beers with them. I remember walking down the street one day and seeing Brian riding past on his bike. Yeah. And was like, because we played with him on Surf Skate Slam or whatever. Yeah. And he just looked at me, he's like, whatever, dude. <laughs> now we're kind of friends, but like at that point he was like, who's this fucking idiot? Who's this dude? Yeah. That's sick. And so then after that, like, I assume you came back to Australia after that, and then mm. how did things then fare in Sydney for you after that point? Um, I never liked Sydney. Yeah. I still don't. Neither do I. <laughs> Anyone that's not from there doesn't like it. Yep. I agree. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just fucked around there for two or three years. Yeah. Like living, I lived with Diane, who was managing us at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I live with Dean, that plays in Nancy Vandal. Yeah. He's my best mate. I lived with him for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and then in 2000, I think it was, Nigel was working for us at that point. Yeah. He, he was selling shirts or something, and then he sort of graduated to tour managing. Yeah. And he just said, look, I'm in this hardcore band. Um, we need a drummer to play a couple of shows. Can you do it? Yeah. And I was like, hardcore? Isn't that all fucking tough guy, fucking bullshit? They just punch a shit out of each other and fight. Yeah. yeah it's not really my thing. <coughs> He's like, no, it'd be cool. Just try it. So there you go. So we had a couple of jams. This is going somewhere, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I understand. And so I did some shows with him. Um, and then they asked me to do a record. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll do that. Yeah. And then Frenzel did a show in Newcastle, and I don't know if you know Matt Tanner, that no. used to, he used to manage 28 Days, okay. way back in the day. His sister Jane was, who's my wife now, Yes, <laughs> she was living in Japan and she'd just come back. And he said, oh, my sister's doing merch tonight in Newcastle, because mm-hmm. she just come back, needs a job. And I'm like, I wonder if she's hot. And so I met her like, yeah. at Loading, and I walked up to her, and I'm like, yeah, she's fucking rad. Yeah. And I asked her for, if she wanted a drink. I'm like, can I get you something to drink? She's like, uh, and I'm thinking she might say Coke or orange juice. She's like, got any fucking vodka? Yeah. It's like 3 p.m. I'm like, you're mine. <laughs> and so we ended up hanging out quite a bit. Yeah. And that comes around to me eventually moving to Melbourne to live with her. Okay. Hence the Mindsnare thing. Right. So it all sort of... Yeah, that's how I got the fuck out of Sydney. Yeah. I met And Jane. so was that... At that point when you got out of Sydney and came to Melbourne though, was that kind of... Was Frenzel sort of relatively busy for you at that point then yeah. as well? Yeah, really busy. But um, I just... At that point, like, I hated Sydney that much. It was either I was going to go back to the Gold Coast, yeah. which was never going to fucking happen, yeah. or go to Melbourne. Yeah. Because I was spending so much money on flights, which were fucking expensive back then, mm-hmm. like 98, 99. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I was, and I was down here all the time, yeah. hanging out with Jane. And I was the first one in the band to ever get, like, a brick mobile phone. <laughs> Just because, I don't know, like, friends was busy. Yeah. And I'm like, our manager might need to get in touch, and mm-hmm. I'll be in Melbourne. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'll never forget walking into rehearsal with this fucking Nokia piece of shit yeah. and everyone just going oh fucking mobile phone la di da <laughs> and now we get a rehearsal and everyone's got fucking laptops and pro tools and yeah, fucking yeah. iPhones and god knows what yep. but yeah I couldn't wait to get the fuck out of Sydney yeah and I, so like coming here then and I guess doing Mindsnare was that something like, so how, like how long had you been in Frenzel for at that point a couple of years like yeah, Three or like four two years, years maybe. Okay, right. And so was doing mine snare then... I mean, it may not have seemed like it at the time, but that there's a lot of, like, that sort of uh, metal that you liked a lot as a kid is influenced in in ways into that music. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I, I, like you said, I didn't get it at the time. Right. I was just like, these are just fucking goons sure. <laughs> that just fucking drink beers and punch on and sure. it's not like I've never been a violent dude yeah, yeah. angry but not violent sure yes <laughs> I understand but like I've watched them fight here and there like, yeah not unjustified but nevertheless it's not my thing you know mm-hmm. and I'm like fuck they just they just want to punch on and fucking drink beers and get weird yeah and it, it took me a good fucking maybe ten years to slot in properly yeah right mm. but then once I did like it just happened you know what I mean and was that sort of like the opposite reaction then for you with like 
finding having to try and play drums in a punk band like how you said initially you went from being a metal drummer to playing drums in a punk band did yeah. you find the reverse effect then happen yeah with mindset yeah totally okay. I listened to all their CDs and was just like fuck back to square one <laughs> and then <laughs> gotta learn how to do this again yeah and yeah. then when we started sort of writing because it was probably five or six years before they actually said you're in the band yeah right like I'd made two records toured a whole bunch you've just been filling in yeah and I'm like, I'm like what's what's going on and Belsie's like oh I guess you're in yeah Fuck, thanks dude <laughs> like he kept writing all these fucking double kick parts and blast beats and shit yeah that I hadn't done since I was fucking 15 yeah and I was 23, 24 by now yeah concentrating on the fucking stupid punk beat yeah <laughs> and I'm still shit at double kicks and blast beats <laughs> and he keeps writing them <laughs> you gotta keep trying dude yeah I have to um, so how how did that go then? Managing, obviously, a relationship, a band here, and you know, a band that was at that point like relatively busy in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. was it a bit of a nightmare at the time, or kind of not really? Because I was young enough to not give a fuck. Okay, I just sort of go where I was told. Yeah, I still do to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> but like Jane and I weren't serious at that point. Friends all was just I would do whatever I was told to do. Yeah. And as I said, Nigel's working for Frenzel, so he and Chris, our manager, would talk mm-hmm. and just make sure shit didn't cross over and whatever. Yeah, right. And that still happens today. Yeah. So I'm just like, if I get an email saying you want to do this show, I'm like, you check with Nigel so that we've got nothing on. Yeah. Vice versa. So it works out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a lot more travel back then and a lot less giving a fuck because I didn't really have anything to tie me down. Yeah, sure. Now I've got fucking kids. And yeah. So how how long did that continue for then, like that, for you? Was that a considerable amount of time? Yeah, it's still happening. <laughs> <laughs> when and I guess was there a point where you saw, uh, like a cha- uh, you needed to, or you felt you needed to make a change in terms of taking things a bit more seriously with one thing or another? Obviously, the relationship. Yeah, well, there's that. Ended up <laughs> turning into a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Um, I never really took music seriously. Yeah. I mean, I do, like, in terms of I want to play good and I yeah. want us to put out good records and shit like that, but... Of course. As far as I'm concerned, it's a fucking hobby that yeah. has a little bit of cream on top from yes. time to time. Yeah. I think that is, honestly, the only way you could look at it if you it want is. to play the sort of music that we are sort of involved with oh dude totally like <laughs> if you don't play what you like listening to yeah you're just fucking cheating yourself mm-hmm. like I, I could go and probably play a hundred cover bands and yeah. make money but I, I couldn't live myself yeah for sure because that's what a nine to five is for yeah well I mean and I think the way I've always looked at it and it you know to a lot of people it probably sounds like a real cop out way of doing it but it's like if I wasn't spending all my money on guitar shit and previously drum shit, I would be spending it on something else just as wasteful. Yeah, you'd be buying you know? weed and yeah, fucking Yoda I'd bombs. I'd be buying way more booze <laughs> than I do now. <laughs> you know, like, but I restrict myself due yeah. to buying expensive guitars and stuff. But well, that's the thing, like to this day, like fuck, I'm 40 next year. Yeah. And the thrill, for, the biggest thrill for me is still just hanging out with my mates. Yeah. Because we all live in different suburbs, different cities, mm. whatever. And yeah. you catch up, and you might not catch up for six months, and it's like, bang. Yeah. It's like you haven't not seen each other. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and I think, and similarly as well, like a lot of people often ask me, you know, like family members and things will say like, oh, so do you like do you get paid when you do that stuff and I'm <laughs> Sometimes. like <laughs> yes and no <laughs> I mean I guess some things get paid for but then otherwise I drive myself places yeah. and I you know but I, that's the same way I feel about things like every time I just get off at a tour or shows or whatever it's just like oh cool I get to see my friends again. Yeah. Like... And, like, you would know with the, oh, hey, God, shit, and whatever. Yeah. You fucking... Ah, fuck! Yeah. You flip. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, and... I don't know. What, okay. We'll talk about that for you. What was a moment like that for you where it went... Holy shit, this is, like... I'm playing with people <laughs> that I really want to be playing with, or, like, I look up to... 
probably would have been the first US Warp Tour Frenzel did. Yeah. I think it was 98, like sometime in 98, I don't know what month, but whatever. And it was going, it was crossing the border from the States to Canada mm-hmm. and then back to the States. Yeah. And I was and still am a huge Bay Religion fan. Yeah. And Bobby Shea, who was the drummer before Brooks, mm-hmm. just randomly walked up to us. He's just like, I've got all these Canadian dollars. I know you guys drink a lot. Yeah. I know you're broke. Why don't you fucking take it and go and buy a heap of cases of beer? Because I can't be fucked changing it. And I was just like, <laughs> not only is he fucking talking to me, the dude who I grew up listening to and learning to play off, but he's handing us money. He gave me money. <laughs> and so we went and bought like fucking three or four cases of beer. Yeah. The cheapest shit ever. Yeah. This was 10 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> this was the last show of the whole tour. Yeah. This was after six months straight in America that I was telling you about before. Yeah. So we started drinking at 10 and we went on to like five or something on the small stage. Yeah. And it ended up, we were so fucking drunk. Um... Jay was piffing all the leftover CDs that we had into the crowd like <laughs> like you know how you grab it by the corner yeah. fling it and he cracks some chick's head open yeah. and she's like I'm bleeding he's like I don't give a fuck <laughs> and Bobby from Bear Religion was behind me shoving a Cuban cigar into my mouth while I'm playing so I'm like going like this like <laughs> <laughs> and then we ended up just having this massive fucking beer fight just piffing cans at everyone and yeah. we never ever got asked on another warp tour again <laughs> like, I can't even make it sound as gnarly as it was yeah ended up ripping Lindsay's pants off and he's running around nude <laughs> Bobby's like yeah you can get up and play about religion as long on drums and I couldn't even fucking stand up yeah wow that would have been like the highlight of my life <laughs> but yeah at, at that point I was just like wow like all the dudes that I love in bands are just dudes like us yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely had... I guess by the time we played with I Hate God, I'd played with people that were, like, cool people and people I looked up to and stuff, but nothing ever was going to come close to, like, them telling me they liked my band. And yeah. I was like, oh, oh God, <laughs> just kill me. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, yeah, that's like fucking mind and ringworm, like... Yeah. Just suddenly you meet some dudes that you just click with and you just go you're the same dudes as us yeah, from yeah. the other side of the world yeah like you grew up on the same shit yeah you're the same kind of idiot mm. it's crazy when that happens um alright so then <clears throat> where when did real life I guess start hitting you when did marriage and things like that come along um fuck I got married in 2002 mm-hmm. so a couple of years after you'd moved down there yeah 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 um, I was actually in New Zealand in a hotel room with Derek who used to play in Lagwagon okay. who's dead now uh, no good <laughs> yeah no no good um, and I remember picking up the phone and calling my chick and it cost like a hundred bucks <laughs> yeah and I didn't even propose I was a fucking shit cunt mm-hmm. I just rang her up and I said hey when I get home in a week do you want to go shopping for rings She's like, what do you mean? I went, wedding rings. Okay. And that was that. <laughs> so then Sorted. We, yeah. Classy dude. Yeah. Um, $100 phone call is just as yeah, good as a proposal. Fully. <laughs> but then, then we got married and like she kind of knew what I was into. Like, Well, by kind of knew, she knows exactly what I do. Yeah. But at that point, we went away. We got married and we went away for a week to Fiji yeah. on honeymoon. And then I left the day we got home for a six-week tour of Europe or something. Yeah. So I'm like, thanks for marrying me. See ya. I gotta go. Yeah. And she was totally cool, and she still is totally cool with it. Yeah. And it's it's a bit trickier now with kids and stuff. Yeah. She she's under a bit of stress, but you know, every now and then you come home with a couple of bucks. Yeah. And it helps. Um. And so, like, I guess from there, how. You know, like it's one of the Frenzel and I guess Mindset to an extent as well are both bands that have seemingly, you know, had rises and dips in popularity and whatever form of success you want to judge that by <laughs> in, in the years that you've been in those bands. But like, how, you know, how has that played into your life, you know, outside of music then? Has that been 
I mean, obviously, it's hard trying to live off something like this. Yeah, totally. I, I, um, I lived off it when I was younger, from probably 21 to about 27 or 28. Yeah. Just because I didn't have a wife and I didn't have kids. And sure. I was just like, fuck, I don't give a fuck. I'm just some dude in a band. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then everything factored in. And I remember coming home from a tour in like 04 or something. And Nige called me up the next day and he's like, do you want some work? And I never thought about work because I was like, I'm a dude in a band. I don't need to fucking work. Yeah. I got the band, man. Yeah, the band is work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't even think twice about it. I just said, yep. And then I went, what? what do you mean? Yep, I don't want to fucking work. <laughs> and it turned out I was working with him in his uncle's picture framing factory. Right. So I was like fucking smashing fences and recycling timber and on the bandsaw and all that sort of shit. Yeah. Loved it. Did it for six or seven years. Yeah. Um, and it felt really good after touring for that long just to have something solid. Yeah. Regular pay. Yeah. Those sorts of things. Yeah. Um... What was the question? <laughs> oh, like, uh, sort of how, how did, like, that sort of come into then becoming more of your life, I suppose? Like, w- was that in a particular downtime for... Or was no. it just, like, I guess necessity? A, sort of? A bit of both, I think. Yeah. It was downtime because Fensler just put out a record that fucking sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, we hate it to this day. We'll never play anything off it. Yep. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Mindstand wasn't really busy because Matt had had a kid and everyone got married and all that sort of shit. Yeah. And everyone just got a bit older and was just more focused on work and Mm -hmm. getting ahead, whatever that means. Yes. You know, paying their mortgage and all that sort of shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just like, fuck, I'll get a job. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I guess maybe you didn't see this or maybe you did, but there's definitely like you know, a noticeable resurgence, I guess, as, as an outsider's perspective, um, for Frenzel, at least, in the last uh, five or so years. Yeah. Um, fucking weird. Did you, <laughs> but was that something that you guys had noticed as well at the point where it would, had dipped down? Yeah, say? yeah. Like, the, sort of, like I said, the mid-2000s, it just sort of... It, I wouldn't say fizzed out, but it definitely dipped, like you said. Yeah. And then we did that fucking Smoko record. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly everyone just liked it again. Yeah. And we're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, Good. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have no explanation for that whatsoever. No, no, it's okay. It just, you don't have to understand it. <laughs> no. Just like you're, just, you're part of it. So. We were stoked on the record. Yeah. And it sounded really good. Yeah. And it was fun to make. Sure. And I think it just got to the point... Again, everyone got older, and yeah. it was more about having a good time and not giving a fuck about anything or anyone. Yeah. Just chilling with your mates, drinking some beers, getting wasted, making a record. Yeah. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, so maybe it was one of those things as well then. That, I mean, I don't know whether this is true or not, but may, uh, like, maybe it was something that needed time to dip mm. for the sake of it to come back, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, maybe giving everyone that reprieve to work and do those sorts of things yeah. gave you the juice that it needed. I don't think, yeah, I don't even know if it was that. I think it was just, everyone just stepped back and just went, let's not try and make money off it. Let's yeah. not make it a career. Let's just have fun because sure. that's And I suppose by that point, everyone be. else had sort of found the other things they were doing outside of yeah. playing in the band as well. But, yeah, but by that point, there was there was all your parkway drives and all that sort of stuff. Sure. And, Nothing against them whatsoever. Lovely dudes. Yeah. But it's sort of become... Well, I can't say because I'm not in that circle, but mm-hmm. you can tell like they're doing it because that's what funds them. Now, yeah. You know what I mean? I would agree. I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't disagree with that. No. And like, I'm sure they like playing music, but of course. you can tell that... I mean, even by way of the way their music has changed since they started the band, yeah. you can see that they're not doing it... They're not making those changes to not make money. Exactly. Like, but you know. they just happen to be lucky idiots as yeah. opposed to us being unlucky idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Picking something that's less likely to <laughs> find its way to financial success. Yeah. Maybe. Like mum and dad always say, like, why don't you fucking just join a cover band or start teaching or yeah. do something? And I'm like, because I don't want to. That's just, yeah. I don't want to do that. 
Yeah. I want to play music with my friends, and if I don't make money, fucking whatever. Yeah. I'm still hanging out with my mates. I get free beer. I get my travel and accommodation paid for. Yeah. I'm having a good time. For sure. And so I guess, like, at that time as well, I mean, I don't know what sort of light you can shed on this, but... I the first time I ever played with Mindsnare, I played Gordy's final show at the art house. Ah, there you go. <laughs> and like, what was what was happening around that time for you? Because I mean, I had not heard. I don't know the other side of that story. I just remember playing the show, and there was a record that had Gordy's last show written on it. <laughs> Which obviously wasn't your last show. Well, it was at the time. That was... Fuck, that was a combination of things. I was yeah. drinking way too much. Okay. <laughs> um, and I drank way too much before the show. And I played like a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had our first kid. Yep. And my fucking head was just all over the shop. I yeah. didn't know what to do. I was like, I got no money. Don't know how to be a dad. And something had to give yeah and I just fucking my brain just snapped that night and I'm like fuck it I quit yeah that was that yeah and then yeah a couple of months later I'm just like why would I quit something I enjoy doing yeah sure but yeah it's just fun so, yeah yeah I just that was that was fatherhood yeah. <laughs> didn't know how to deal with it the first the first wave of fatherhood yeah smacking you in the face yeah it gets slightly easier yeah not, not a lot but <laughs> Well, you've got some practice now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what to expect, kind of. Yeah. But yeah, I just didn't know what the fuck was going on then. I yeah. Just, I was, like, super drunk that night. You know what you like. You yeah. make fucking rash decisions. Sure. I've quit friends. I've quit mine there. I've quit everything. <laughs> Here you are. Still, yeah. Still standing. <laughs> um, all right. So, the other thing that I'm going to talk to you about... Here we go. ...is uh, your bloody arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, obviously, if someone's listening to this, they've probably read that you severely injured yourself. Fucked it. (laughs) Um, How, like, I mean, obviously that's been really fucking difficult for you since that occurred. But, like, what is, give me the other side of, your side of what's happened here for you. Oh, it's fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Well, you can see the scar. Which is fucking enormous for anyone listening. Yeah, they got me good. Yeah, dude, fuck. So um, what, actually, what actually broke? What what happened in there when... Well, uh, this bone here... You smashed your arm on the guard rail. Well, what yeah. happened was cunts were stage diving. Sorry, p- generous fans, punters. <laughs> our beloved fans. Our beloved cunts. Were just being fucking stage idiots. And yep. like, you know, cunts get up there and just stand there for half an hour. Sure. And they fucking grab someone around the neck and then they kick pedals over and yeah. I'm like, fuck, do you cunts not know how to stage dive properly and just not be in the way? Yeah. So I fucking went, all right, I'll show you. And gee, didn't I? <laughs> show them. So what happened was, it was that amplifier in Perth, you played there, right? Yep. Have you ever had a barrier there? Nope. Never. Nor have we. Yep. In fact, the PA guys when we were setting up in the afternoon were like, why is there a fucking barrier? We've never had a barrier. Yeah. I've played there umpteen times with mine's there, never had a barrier. Mm-hmm. That night there was a barrier. Yeah. When you have a barrier, you normally have security behind it to catch people. Sure. Not that night. Yeah, great. So, four foot gap between barrier and stage. Yeah. So I cleared it, dived, and then as I got thrown back, I got thrown head first between the barrier and the stage, and there was no one to catch. Yeah. So I put my arm out and caught the stage and kept going. Yeah. And I heard it go... And I'm like, fucking adrenaline kicked in, and I was in shock. I'm just like, oh, it's all right, I'll climb back up. And and Drew, who was teching for us at the time, he grabbed me. He didn't realise the extent of it. Yeah. And then as I stood up on the stage, I saw it swing in a way that your arm shouldn't swing. Yeah. And then the fucking pain hit, and I passed out. Yeah, right, crazy. Um, And then I just remember lying completely fucking shirtless, in the freezing cold out in the laneway mm-hmm. sweating like a pig yeah um, it took like an hour for the ambulance to come Jesus Christ yeah um, that was that so I snapped the humerus which is that bone there yeah snapped it clean in two got a got sent to hospital Ooh. um 
took them two days to operate. Yeah. And they put like a 20 centimetre steel plate and nine screws in. But, which was fine, like, it was just a broken arm at that point, as far as I knew. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, cool, whatever, I'll be back in a couple of months. Yeah. And then the surgeons came to me when I was fucked up on morphine. They're like, oh, by the way, we snipped your nerve that affects your wrist and your thumb. And that could take 18 months to repair. Is that something that, like, commonly occurs for this type of thing? Yeah. Yeah, It's like they had to snip it to get the plate in. Right, right. Um, So, yeah, if I... This fucking cast thing that I've got on, you can't see it, listeners. (laughs) But if I take that off, my wrist is like that. Yeah, right. I can't lift it at all. Jesus. So, um, yeah, just been doing heaps of physio and shit. Yeah. And what is the prognosis of time and things like that it's uncertain well initially it was 18 months yeah which fucking sent me into a spiral of depression for about yeah. two months I um, imagine not even just playing or whatever like I can't help at home can't do all that shit yeah lost my job yeah um but yeah now the physio is saying maybe six months okay but that's just conjecture because it's nerve damage and no one could put a time yeah, frame yeah. on that like you can't do anything to speed it up and it's kind of totally up to your body yeah. as well yeah which yeah. is why I've been trying to walk more and get healthy and yeah yeah it's not working <laughs> <laughs> you tried mate you tried you walked here <laughs> it's true yeah um, so like I mean obviously that means certain different things to the bands obviously friends will have started playing some of those book shows without you yeah well no one really wanted to do it yeah but um as I said I lost my job um Centrelink are being fucking cunts yep if you work for Centrelink fuck you yep so yeah it's like three months down the track and they're not helping me yeah so I was like fuck can we get you know Kai yeah guy that's filling in yeah Kai Smith Mm -hmm. um he was keen to do it and the other guys sort of reluctantly went, well, it's not Frenzel without me, which sounds like a wanker thing to say. But, but you've been in the band for a long time, yeah, considerably. 18 years or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I get it, but, like, I need some income. Yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> so I'm still getting a little bit from the shows. Yeah. Um, it's not enough to get by, but it's fucking helping. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a shit situation. Like, Tom rang me today. He's like, oh, it's really great playing with Kai. I really respect him, but, um, you know, it's not you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I get it, dude, but I need some money. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, and it's not like at this point you can just go and have a crack either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried to hold a stick. It's not working. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what is, like, the physio relatively intensive on you then, or is it like... Not really, no. They, they sort of, it's more just a massage type thing. And they're just yeah. working on them, like the muscles. You can probably see how fucking skinny that shit is. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, they're just working on the muscles because they all cramp up because yeah, they haven't yeah. been used. Because like for the first maybe month, I couldn't even move my arm. Yeah. Like the scar was that gnarly. I was bandaged up and I was just like this. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. It's, like, it's one of those things like I've never seen someone break their arm. Neither have I. At that, in, <laughs> at that place in your arm, you know? Neither have I. I work at childcare. I've seen so many fucking yeah. broken arms. Like, but that's crazy, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't fun. No. Um, so, what's the next steps for you then, I guess? Is it just try and build that stuff back up and yeah, just get back to... Keep walking with a fucking weight. Yeah. There's a cricket oval near my house, and yeah. it's also a um, lacrosse club. Yeah. And I don't know if you know lacrosse. A little bit. It's pretty much like league, like big burly yes. fucking dudes yep. punching the shit out of each other. Um, so I walk around there like twice in the morning and twice at night yeah and I've got this I had this one kilo it was a pink weight it's yeah. the only fucking colour we could find of course so I've got like a camo hoodie and it's up and I've got my earphones in and I'm walking around and I'm muttering under my breath and I don't know how loud it is because I've got my earphones in yeah and I'm like fuck fucking can't <laughs> fuck and I walk past this fucking lacrosse club yeah and the lights are all on and there's these dudes in there like lacrosse players like bench pressing fucking 300 kilos <laughs> and the lights are fucking shining directly on me as I walk past on the oval and they they all fucking froze and they're looking at this fucking dude just screaming his head off <laughs> lifting her one kilo pink weight and I'm like you cunts are doing it wrong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go snap your arm and see how you feel yeah yeah well man that's fucking brutal <laughs> like it's 
For anyone who wants to see an impressive scar, yeah. just uh, break that bone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the, fuck. It sort of put everything on the back burner. Like, Friends were supposed to have recorded another record already. Yeah. Yeah, it was like... And so are plans for that, obviously, now just sort of indefinitely yeah, well, delayed? Or... Well, we booked the flights yeah. and we had to push them back. And the latest we could push it back to was June, I think. Mm-hmm. And we are going back to Blasting Room with Bill from the yep. Senants. Um, he pushed everything back to accommodate me getting better and everything. Yep. And now he's emailing going, what are you doing? I'm like, fuck, I don't know, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if I can get better by June, that's the aim, so we don't lose the flights. Yeah, for sure. That's fucking expensive. Fucking <laughs> Um Yeah, that's brutal. And I guess between now and then, hopefully uh, Australia's lovely government decides to... Oh. Help out the people who need money so for we actual go. reasons. <laughs> yeah. But the good news is we did manage to finish a Mindsnare record two weeks before I snapped my arm. Yeah, yeah. So That's sick. That's something to... That's like a light at the end of the tunnel for me. Yeah. It's like, fuck, i got something to look forward to, like yeah. putting that out. And so is... I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to play anything oh, shit, no. for that <laughs> for a considerable amount of time. <laughs> Nah, not at all. But yeah. it was just fucking rad to do it. Like, I don't think we've put a record out for six or seven years, maybe. Yeah. Is that far off now? I know when I spoke to Nigel, it was sort of yeah unknown at that point. Yeah, I think last I heard was probably early next year, maybe. Mm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Sick. Like, we want to get it out straight away, but there's no point because we can't tour it or anything. Yeah. Got to fix that arm, mate. I'm trying. Look at me. Look at me go. <laughs> I can see. Um, all right. Well, sick. I think that's good awesome. for a conversation. Thanks for having me at the fucking Box, Box RSL, RSL signing Jinx. me in. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, dude. Cheers.